Welcome back to the fourth episode of Saturday Standouts. Again, with my co-host Sam Daring here, I am Caleb Skinner. We're excited to go ahead and break down the Big 12 with you guys. One of the big three conferences remaining here that have not decided to uh, postpone their fall season. I'm uh, super pumped to get to talk about these high-powered offenses here, Sam. Um, you got anything to say to the people before we get rolling? Welcome, man. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that the state that we're living in, we could very well be seeing a fall college football and spring. I mean, we, we, we have time that doesn't start for another month, but it's really unfortunate. Thankfully, we've got the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC, but we'll see what happens. I'm ready to dive into the Big 12, though. Yeah, I'm super excited, too. Uh, before we get going, though, I want to give a shout-out to uh, one of our big sponsors, which is RX Hemp, um, a great hemp cream that is used for joint and muscle pain. Um, I just got in um, my first order of that myself. It's great stuff. Um, I put it on my knees because I, I used to run a lot, and I still run a decent amount now. Um, love using it. Um, takes away the pain, um, not automatically immediately, but throughout the day. It's really, really great um, use. If you guys head over to rxhemp.com, um, use the promo code RxHemp-USN. You'll get 10% off your order every single time. Um, it's great stuff. They got special deals going on all the time. So go ahead and check them out and head over there. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Big 12. And we're going to start here with the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. And uh, I guess the big name here um, that everybody knows and much of the nation is really excited and loves to watch is uh, their running back over there in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. And there were some people that were a little bit surprised that he didn't enter the draft um, this past year. I needed to see more of him. I'm not a huge fan of one-year wonders, and I think he will really solidify solidify himself this year if they have some sort of a season. Um, And this is another interesting guy because if they don't have a football season and he decides to opt out, to me, I need to see more of him. But going to his strengths... He's a really elusive runner. He's one of those running backs that is really patient at finding the hole. There's a lot of there's a lot of running backs in college football that you know. I mean, they panic. They panic when they find the hole. They panic under deep pressure. And Chuba Hubbard is just the opposite of that. Chuba Hubbard. The more you watch him, the more fun he really is to watch. Yeah, and of course we're talking about Chuba Hubbard here. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Um, one of the most exciting backs to watch in all of college football. Um, just a little bit of stuff from uh, Pro Football Focus um, that keeps all the stats and, you know, they run their own analytics and everything. So um, Chuba is uh, what they named one of is probably the most explosive back in the country. He had 15 runs of 30 or more yards, um, scored 21 touchdowns, averaging 6.4 yards per carry and picked up 87 first downs. And the really thing, the big thing that stood out here to me with Chuba is that he was even better when he was backed up against his own end zone. So they were within his own 20 and he had an average run or yards per carry of 12.6 yards when he was in that area. So really, really great running back here. And like you were saying, he doesn't uh, get, get flustered when he is in those positions or anything. So it's really cool to see uh, what Chubb has become, what he has become um, and kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. And he's definitely all of a sudden, cause he was split with justice Hill. And then as soon as Justice Hill left, he definitely took not only the Big 12, but he took the rest of college football by storm. And the one minor weakness I have on him, and again, it it really depends on how you're used in the offense, because A.J. Dillon was kind of my knock as well, but he is the perfect build to develop that. And 
Chuba Hubbard's a guy. I mean, he's six foot and he's just over 200 pounds. He's a guy that he knows what to do when he's pass protecting, when he's protecting or blocking, I should say. But he's also a guy that will let his technique get in the way with him. And again, it really depends how you're used in that offense. But that to me is a minor weakness. I don't see that affecting his draft stock substantially. But again, I need to see more of him. And he's definitely the top player to watch in the Big 12. Yeah, he's, he's a great leader for that offense, um, too. I mean, he, he is that offense, if you really look at it. Um, it's pretty great to see that he also took a stand um, when all, you know, all the rough stuff was going on with, um, you know, the African-Americans and um, coaches and everything. And there's some backlash between coaches and players and all that stuff. And then he kind of came out and took a leadership role and spoke out about uh, Coach Gundy and the shirt he was wearing and all that stuff. So, you know, he's a leader in that in that locker room. So that's good to see as well. So it's not really a surprise that uh, based off of his play on the field, as well as what he does off the field, that he's a unanimous All-American, led the led the nation last year in rushing yards with over 2,000 yards and was a finalist for two awards. Um, the only real big question I have here, you mentioned his blocking, and he does a very, very good job at that, is um, are we going to see the same amount of rushes that we got to see out of him last year? We know Gundy in Oklahoma State likes to run a fast-paced, pass-first type of offense. Um, and with their, with their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, coming back for his second season, are we going to see – Gundy move more towards using Sanders in that passing game than uh, running the, running on the ground with Chuba. And that's the thing, too, is I'm not sure how you look at it, but the way I look at guys like this is how well they can develop into the next level. And he had just over 2,000 rushing yards this past season, and he did it on – he went from – he played 13 games in 2018, and – he went from 124 carries to 328 carries. That, that, that's very impressive. It shows that he's capable of, of being a workhorse running back. But that can always get, get, get back to you and bite you in the NFL. And one great example of that is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was a workhorse back at, in Georgia. He tore his ACL at Georgia, and now it's acting up. It's, it's starting to act up. It's, it has, he's always been that guy that's kind of fought his way through injuries throughout the majority of his career. And now people are doubting him. I said this on uh, Matt, me, Matt, and James were talking, um, but we were talking about the Falcons the other night on Sportscaster, and I gave Todd Gurley as my most improved player. Um, But again, Todd Gurley is a prime example of someone who was a workhorse running back in college, but injuries came back to bite him. So, I mean, as for Chuba Hubbard, that's the one worry is he's not, yeah, it's great that he's capable of being that workhorse running back, but it, it's a matter of who or which team or are, if there are any teams in the NFL that will trust him to be that guy. Right. So ultimately, do you think it will be better for him if Gundy moves more towards that pass first offense that we're used to? I think it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, I think, I think he, we could see him benefit from it very well, seeing as we kind of both agreed on, you know, the weakness that he had. He does a very good job pass protecting, but there are times that technique gets in the way with him. So we might see we might see him step out of his comfort zone early, and that could benefit him very much. Yeah, it, 
I feel like it might take the pressure off of him a little bit. You don't want to feel like too much pressure, especially entering into, you know, a money season, if you can call it that um, in college, because you're kind of getting the scouts attention and, you know, you want to like up your, your draft stock here. So hopefully that works out for Chuba. I, I enjoy watching him. He's a very electric player. Um, but I had mentioned another player earlier that is now coming into his second season that is going to be a big part of this Oklahoma State offense. And that's their, second-year quarterback out of Denton, Texas, and Spencer Sanders. Yeah, I really – I mean, everyone talk when, – when it comes to the Big 12, people – Big 12 quarterbacks, I should say, people immediately go to the Sooners because Lincoln Riley does a really, really nice job developing quarterbacks. And But, again, nobody really talks about Spencer Sanders. I mean, his first few years, he really made a name for himself with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was uh, voted as Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year last year by the coaches in the Big 12. So, I mean, that's a great honor as well. Also, 2019 Oklahoma State Russell Okung Award for Outstanding Newcomer. So, uh, he didn't necessarily, like, put up show-stopping numbers or anything, but he did enough to earn the recognition of those around the league and earn the respect. And um, second team, academic, all Big 12, so he gets it done off the field. So, after passing for 2000 over a little over 2000 yards last year i would expect him to kind of take that next leap forward here and be able to get um the ball to one of his better playmakers in my opinion and probably one of the top wide receivers that is going to be in the big 12 next year and that's wide receiver tylen wallace who uh, i'm really high on i really like tylen wallace and the one knock that definitely is overlooked for the way he plays is He's just under 200 pounds. He's 185 and one prime. I mean, there's plenty of receivers that are undersized like that and a little bit lighter that struggle with their blocking. But Tylen Wallace, dude, he is the complete opposite. And he does a really he does a really nice job with that, making especially making people overlook that case. Yeah, definitely. And the big thing with Tylen Wallace is that he missed five games last season. Uh, he tore his anterior um, cruciate ligament in his knee. Um, I'm not <laughs> quite sure. I'm not a doctor or anything, so I'm not quite sure what that uh, what that can do or what how that can prohibit you um, moving forward. But I mean, missing five games really takes a knock on your stats as a player, and you still finish uh, second team selection All Big Twelve. And finish with a team high 903 yards with eight touchdowns in just eight games. That's pretty impressive. Oh yeah, I mean, I was just, I was just going to say that too. He he finished just under 900 yards with a major injury. I think it was pretty close to a torn ACL as well. I don't recall, um, but yeah, it, it's it's unreal. And Tylen Wallace is definitely a receiver that needs to be talked about more. But they need more than just Tylen Wallace for weapons, which is. I'm, your point was interesting is the fact that could Mike could we see a different play set or play scheme in that Mike Gundy offense? Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, and I mean that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen here is that now that Sanders has gotten another has gotten his first year under his belt and he's now moving into his second year, that Gundy's going to give him a little bit more of those reins, you know. You know, loosen the leash a little bit on him and let him kind of do his thing. I mean, Tylen Wallace is a senior here. He's coming into this season ranked third nationally with 2,512 receiving yards in his career among all active FBS players. And um, if he stays healthy this whole upcoming season, he will finish as the Big 12's leading receiver um, ever, pretty much. So that's really, really great stuff uh, for Tylen Wallace, who's not very talked about. 
Um, kind of flies under the radar, but is a very, very great player. Um, and, I mean, he's going to need some help, too. I mean, you can't get doubled every single time. So, I mean, wide receiver like Dylan Stoner, who's also a senior, is going to have to step up um, and kind of take away some of that um, action that is going to be on Tylen Wallace from opposing defenses. Yep, most definitely. And actually, speaking of defenses, who is – I'll let you go first with this one. Who's the one name that kind of comes to mind um, that all eyes are going to kind of be pointing towards on that Cowboys defense? On that Cowboys defense, ooh, let me see here. Um, I mean, right off the bat, one of their one of their safeties really sticks out to me, and that's Colby Harvell Peel. Um, but also their linebacker, Amin Ogbong Bamiga. Excuse me if I butchered that, but uh, he's a real force and a good leader down there in their linebacker room. So um, you can go ahead and and tell me a little bit more about those guys. I really like Malcolm Rodriguez. Unfortunately, that was safety slash linebacker. Um, kind of guy that can be used and I, I love guys that can be used in that hybrid role I mean he's he's just under six foot he's 5'11 210 pounds and he's really taken drastic steps since he joined the Cowboys in 2017 went from fifth or from eight only playing six games as a freshman went from 30 tackles in 2018 and 43 um I'm sorry 60. 53 to 60 solo tackles, and I mean, I, to me, I, I think he's really in for a big year. And we already talked about before this, too, is Oklahoma State, they've got some studs on their defensive core. Yeah, it's, that's why it was really hard to pick. <laughs> you can't just pick one guy because they all really stand out, and they're all very, um, you know, solidified in their roles and, and excel in their roles. So, I mean, you could even point to another safety that they have in – um, excuse me, uh, Trey Sterling, who's who's right up there with him as well, and another Oklahoma State safety. That's that's good. Um, more linebackers. They've got. It's, they're just overall very good. And um, the reason I point out the safety in Harvell Peel, um, he he was one of the best, like true, most true freshman safeties in two years ago, back in 2018. Uh, recorded a 67.3 coverage grade. So that's pretty locked down as a freshman. Um, and then last year as a sophomore, didn't necessarily have um, the same type of season, but I mean, still produced very highly. He ranked eighth among FBS safeties and leading to be one of the most 10 most valuable safeties in the country last year. So an awesome, awesome sophomore season. And um, that's really, really, really where he made his name, um, making tackles, defending passes, intercepting that anything that came his way. He was pretty much, you know, your go-to guy in the backfield. So last year he posted 71 tackles, five picks, 13 pass breakups, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, a sack, three tackles for loss, and one quarterback hurry. So absolute nuts of a man in the backfield. I know we were talking about um, Hampson Nazaruddin for Florida State uh, a week or two ago, and this guy just kind of resembles that. He might not have the length or anything, but this guy is a ball hawk and all over the field. Yeah, and especially early in his career, he's already not only starting to make a name for himself, but, I mean, there's been reports that he's kind of being that outspoken leader on that team for the way, for his character both on and off the field. Yep, exactly. And another, I mentioned the linebacker earlier, um, and that's Amin Akbang Bamiga, uh, mm -hmm. who's also a senior, who's an, an absolute beast on the field, but also in the classroom. Um, he has a great... 
a great GPA and everything like that. I don't necessarily have it um, up right now. I just did some research earlier. Um, but on the field, he's 6'1", 231, big guy, senior, finished second on the team last season with uh, with 100 tackles, had five sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss. Um, and he has the speed and great timing. He just always seems to be there at the right time. Um, I know Big 12 defenses aren't really what you kind of get known. Like, you don't know the Big 12 for, for having these tough defenses, but Oklahoma State isn't going to be the only team that we're really heavily on defense here tonight. Right, and the last team, the last player um, that has really, it's a guy that has really screamed consistency on that secondary, and that's Radarius Williams, um, the corner, six foot one ninety two. He's gone from thirty six to forty to forty eight. I mean, he could really going into his senior season, he could really bump up his draft stock. And this is another guy that I could very well see make a name for himself at the senior bowl, have a very impressive combine. Yeah, and that's what's great about this Oklahoma State defense. A lot of these guys are are either juniors or seniors, and that is that comes real handy when you're going up against these Big 12 offenses. you got guys you can trust back there, and even the young guys can kind of lean on them to be able to make the plays that they can't make, or they can be like, hey, if he's doing this and he's putting in this type of work and I've seen the results that come from that, I can be able to do that one day too. And so – uh, Oklahoma State and Gundy, they have a real trustworthy defense and expect them to uh, make a little bit more noise than normal this season. I feel like they have a very solid team. So the next team, and we all, this is also another team that they lost more on their offense, but they have tons of returning guys on their defense. And the biggest loss on their offense is Jalen Rieger. Yeah, that's a huge loss for them. Um, he was special. Um, we've seen him. He got picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles, um, obviously, and he's going to be one of their main weapons, in my opinion, this season. Um, I've done fantasy drafts and you know restart leagues and everything like that, and he is taken very, very high in these um, these rookie drafts. So um, there's a lot, a lot to make up for in that wide receiver room there for TCU, but. Um, hopefully, uh, their wide receiver now, Tay Barber, who's their main guy, who's going to be a junior this year, um, can step up and fill that role. But um, I think it really ultimately comes down to um, the progression of their QB, Max uh, Dugan, Dugan or Duggan, excuse me, who's going to be a sophomore. Yeah, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago in our um, group chat with everyone in Unwrapped. Not only did they recruit Zach Evans, which we discussed a few weeks ago, in our SEC episode, but they also got the transfer, the Nebraska Cornhusker, J.D. Spielman, mm-hmm. Nebraska's top receiver. And he was the first Husker with three 800 yards. This is a court, and I don't want to take credit for any of this, but this is from Nebraska's website, Nebraska Athletics. He was the first Nebraska Husker with three 800 yards receiving seasons. He posted one of the top 10 receiving yard seasons in school history for the third straight year. So they are getting, like, that is a huge addition. And we were talking, who's the most underappreciated coach? TCU has done a really, really nice job building that team. Yeah. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Greg Patterson, excuse me. Uh, hell of a coach. Um, one of the best coaches that I have ever seen. And to be able to do it at a school like Texas Christian is very very um, respectable in my opinion. I mean, you're not the big dog of the Big 12. You're not necessarily even a big dog in college football. So uh, to be able to, we've seen in the past, he just puts up electrifying offenses, great all-around teams, and like produces 
absolute all-stars. So um, Greg Patterson, like we like you had mentioned, we've talked about our some of our most underrated coaches. He is up there as one of the most underrated coaches, and I think he's starting to pull some of these recruits from some of these big schools. And um, one I'm excited about, and there's a lot of controversy with him, um, but that's running back Zach Evans, who was originally committed to Georgia, signed with Georgia, but left. Um, and then now just ended up on TCU's campus. So uh, watching that guy's tape coming out of high school, I was absolutely floored with. Yeah, he and like that, even his decision to transfer to TCU, to me, I think that says a lot about his character. He wants to go to a team and make them known again. And like I mentioned before, and when when the first team that comes to mind when you think of the Big 12 is the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, TCU very well could be that team that everyone talks about behind Oklahoma or even even in a few years. Like, they're doing really well with their recruiting. Yeah, they are. And I'll go back to uh, Dugan or, or Duggan, um, the quarterback who's a sophomore, and he is um, destined to be a superstar. I mean, he's only going to be a sophomore. He had a pretty, pretty good freshman year. I mean, he's got to take that next step. It just felt like, you know, TCU last year was just like one little thing or one step away from taking that leap into what a Greg Patterson TCU offense should be. And you couldn't quite get it done, but I mean, that's to be expected from a freshman quarterback. So now with Max Duggan coming in here, he's got a elite weapon, a five-star running back and Zachary Evans coming in. Um, and that should get him over that hump, in my opinion, much like we were talking about with Sanders at Oklahoma State. But I think uh, Duggan or Dugan, excuse me, is going to be even better than that because he's going to be he's taken his lumps. We didn't necessarily see Sanders take his lumps. It was just kind of handed off to Chuba and and let it go. So now uh, Duggan's already taken these lumps as a freshman, um, pretty heavy ones at that. And now he's going to be able to have a solidified or semi solidified offense, um, albeit without rigor. And so hopefully we'll be able to see him be that dual threat playmaker that he's supposed to be. And I really expect him um, to grow into a star as long as he cuts down on, you know, some of his turnover problems that he had his freshman year. Yeah. And like you mentioned, there were a few games this the past this past season where he played like any other normal freshman quarterback. And what I'm interested to see is, yeah, they lost Jalen Rieger. They have Zach Evans coming in and we know what he's capable of. But we don't know how he'll how he'll fit with the offense or w- what he'll do with the offense right away, I should say, even J.D. Spielman. So I'm anxious to see, because Max Duke is not very mobile, so I'm anxious mm-hmm. to see if he kind of shows off his mobility early early in his sophomore season. Right, and I mean, he was highly touted, or not necessarily highly touted, but I mean, he was highly, he was highly thought of as a dual-threat um, quarterback coming out of high school. So, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, he, he had a decent season last year on the ground but not something to be completely overwhelmed with I mean he had 555 yards on the ground and six rushing touchdowns but I mean that doesn't necessarily scream you know dual threat I mean it just means you're you're pretty mobile and you can escape certain situations and make something out of nothing but um, if you can grow from that and maybe boost those numbers up to 800 yards and then boost your passing yards up maybe another thousand yards as well you were immediately in that conversation in the Big 12 as being one of the top quarterbacks. So, I mean, he, he doesn't have too much or too far of a way to go to be able to get there. Um, so, I mean, he's got he's got some pretty good awards and, and mentions from last season. I mean, 
uh, academic all Big 12 rookie team, honorable mention Big 12 offensive freshman of the year, um, national quarterback of the week for the Davey O'Brien Award versus Texas. So that's big. Um, much much of these awards that he's had were against Texas, where he had very nice games. So I mean, if you produce against the top one of the top teams that are supposed supposed top teams in the Big 12, and you can produce and and play well against them, then you can only grow after your first season, especially. Yeah, 100%. And moving over to their defense as well, this is also a team that has a ton returning, and they have absolute studs. Yeah, yeah, this is the other um, This is the <laughs> other Big 12 defense that I had mentioned earlier, man, um, which is weird. I, I never thought we would be in this position when we were talking about the mm-hmm. Big 12 as we're talking about defenses, and um, but here we are. So uh, who are kind of the guys who, who stand out uh, to you on that TCU defense? The one player that I think of right away when I think TCU defense returning is Trayvon Morey-Woodyard. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of versatility, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he has a ton of athleticism, and that height, his height is very elite for the position that he played, his height and his body frame. He's capable of doing so many things. Yeah, and I'm just going to read you a little something from Pro Football Focus. They label Morig as the best safety in college football, um, and this is all because he last season he produced the third best season by his safety since Pro Football Focus started, <laughs> um, and that was like a decade worth of information and stats there. So that's pretty high praise there um, if you get that label right off the bat. Um, he was a sophomore last year, going to be a junior, earned first team all Big 12 honors, and is probably going to challenge for an All-American spot as long as he produces like he did last year. I mean, had seven, um, seven turnovers, uh, four interceptions and 11 pass breakups, um, batted balls. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's just an all-around guy. Like we were saying that you were talking about his size. He's 6'2", great in coverage, especially good in tight spaces. Um, and when he was contesting passes, he was successful on 88.2% of the time. So that's a pretty great rate that your opponent only produces or is successful 22.8% of the time when they throw in your direction. So... Uh, really, really, really top guy. Um, he's listed as a safety, but he could also play corner. Um, he was came, he came out of high school as a corner, so you know he's got that range and athleticism. Um, the only thing that really hurts him, in my opinion, is the fact that TCU does not have, you know, the national, um, you know, scene to be able to show his talents. So, Right, and I'll let you name yours because I got another one. It stays on the secondary side as well. But um, who is one of the fir- first few names that you think of? Yeah, I was going to go uh, the other safety, and that's a Darius Here's Washington. Washington. <laughs> is that who you're going to pick? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so if if <laughs> Trevon Morig wasn't on his team, a Darius Washington would be the best safety on his team. But unfortunately, that is not the case. But if you have two safety tandems like that, um, that is pretty pretty special. <laughs> he was rated as the number two safety in the nation after allowing only five catches on 265 snaps last season. Pretty incredible. Um, had seven picks and pass breakups. Team high, five interceptions. Um, which ranks second nationally among freshmen. So pretty good stats there as a freshman. Both of these guys are very young, um, kind of the opposite of Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's guys are, you know, 
more solidified and older, you know, upperclassmen and everything like that. But these two safeties here at TCU are the young guns, but they're coming out and showing out. So really cool to see. Um, also, Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year last year, All-American candidate as a redshirt sophomore coming into this season. Um, and hopefully uh, Washington and uh, Morig can kind of just feed off of each other in this TCU secondary. Yeah, and Washington's a little bit more versatile than Morig, but he's under six, so he's 5'8 as a safety, and he's under he's under 200 pounds, so he's a little bit undersized, but man, like his stats, he really, made, and all the awards that he's won already too, he's really making people overlook that case. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, you come in five foot eight, and I mean that's shorter than me. But I mean, I'm on, honestly not. I'm not two hundred two hundred pounds or anything like that. But I mean, uh, five foot eight. You got to really, you know, stake your claim back there and prove your worth because a lot of guys are going to look down on you and be like, you know, just just not even respect you until you you show them. And he has really done that and showed them, especially as a freshman. So Gary Patterson always has, you know, one or or two guys that really, you know, break out and show that they're stars on the defensive side of the ball, whether or not they're successful as a team. Um, so, I mean, he's got two of these guys right here, and they're not a, the only two that we're going to be talking about on this defense, that's for sure. Right. And, I mean, we talk about guys that come out of nowhere and make big game plays. That is 100% of Darius Washington. Yep, exactly. I mean, he he's just gonna be there. He's gonna he's gonna be there. He's gonna get that pass. I mean, you come in as a freshman, you play 265 snaps. That's not a whole lot. But I mean, 265 snaps as a freshman, that's a lot. I mean, 265 for a regular everyday starter, not necessarily, but for a freshman, that's a lot. And then you produce at the level you do, you get the takeaways at the level that you do in that short amount of time, and you only allow five completions. That's extraordinary. So if you're able to do that and he's he's able to follow up his freshman season with much of the same as a sophomore, I highly expect him and and to only grow. And even if he doesn't have um and speaking of further on beyond this season and into next season, if he doesn't have the junior season that he has necessarily as a freshman or junior or freshman or sophomore, excuse me, then he'll definitely be able to rely on the on the film and the stats that he did have from those two seasons, um, as long as he's productive his junior year and doesn't get injured. 100%. And the other name that I think of going back to the linebacker core is, I mean, this is, it's Garrett Wallow. And if you look at him, he, he weighs in at 280, I believe it's 282. And I don't recall his height. But I mean, he six he's, two. he's six two. He is explosive and he, he's powerful. He's a guy that can really stand out in blitz in blitz formations. Yeah, he's pretty freaky uh, for being that size, man. Uh, I mean, the rest you look at. I kind of did a little bit of film watching before, not much, but what really stands out about uh, Garrett Wallow is that. When you look at their linebacker group, everybody around him in that linebacker room just looks small. Like, it's just like a very small group of linebackers. And then you got this 6'2", 250, 280 to 280-pound dude who's just there, and he will put you down. I mean, two, 125 tackles. That's the it's highest amount of tackles that we have talked about yet on this podcast 
no matter if it's a safety, a corner, a linebacker, a defensive tackle, defensive end at all. 125 tackles is insane. To go along with that, he's got three and a half sacks and 18 tackles for loss. So dude really puts up his stats and really gets his numbers. Yeah, and just like the secondary position, this is this is huge for NFL teams with versatility in line in the linebacker position. Garrett Wallow can play all over the Sam and the Mike. And you just mentioned 125 tackles and three and a half sacks. It's absolutely ridiculous that a guy that big can put up numbers like that. But I mean, you also got to think that we are in the Big 12 here and a lot of guys get out in the open in the open space. So if you're talking about this dude having 125 tackles, not only is he running and clogging a hole, but this dude can get sideline to sideline, can close on these amazingly talented offensive players that are in the Big 12. We're talking about the Jalen Hurts of the world, you know, all these guys. And, and I mean, there's so many players I could mention, the Chuba Hubbards. All these guys are, are just so good and so fast, and the offenses just click and run and go. And you can put it up 125 tackles in that conference. That is extremely impressive, in my opinion, and that should wow the scouts' eyes when it comes time for him to, to enter the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is another really interesting guy to watch at the combine as well. Oh, he should toss out of the waters. I mean, as big as you are and you and you can move at the pace and at the speed that he can and I mean just to go along with the stats, I mean you should you should just absolutely be in love with him. And you know what? It's probably gonna he's gonna be an absolute steal for some team because again, not getting that national recognition um so i mean that'll be huge for him he's a senior so he'll probably play in that senior bowl and that's probably when you're going to start seeing his name pop up and he's also a guy like he's consistent when it comes to tackling he's a guy that rarely misses tackles if you watch not that kenneth murray missed tackles but he was a little i don't know if if you've ever like watched kenneth murray specifically on that oklahoma defense last year but mm-hmm. the way he tackled was pretty wild. I mean, like, not that he, he didn't miss any. He barely missed. But just the way that he tackled, it, it would be times where he would look like he would just be flying around. Like, he would dive, and then he would – I really – I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's just all over the place. And Garrett Wall is a guy that really focuses on the technique part of that, which is, which is why – not only did his stats show out, he had 125 tackles, and well over half of those, I mean, not I shouldn't say well over half of those, he barely, he rarely misses tackles. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, you brought Kent Murray, that's a great example of the type of player that uh, Wallow is. I mean, he's going to solidify that tackling unit. He's not going to arm tackle you. He's going to make sure he gets the tackle, and that can only bode well for him moving forward. And, um, I mean, for for a college player to be able to be such a solid tackler and not, you know, we see guys, you know, throw shoulders and, you know, try and make the big hit or whatever. He's not that guy. He's going to make the tackle, like you were saying. And if you can do that in college, um, <laughs> when, you, when NFL scouts come to look at you, they're going to mark that and just A-plus you all the way through. All right, yeah, so uh, that'll do it for our two top-notch defenses that we got going here. And uh, we'll move into um, the Oklahoma Sooners here. We were supposed to have on a very special guest tonight, and uh, 
one of our co-contributors over at the Unwrapped Sports Network and Amber Vickers, um, who is an Oklahoma grad and absolutely loves her Sooners. But she was unable to join us tonight. I know she would be super excited to go ahead and talk about um, some of these players and everything. But let's just start off with uh, the big loss that Oklahoma is dealing with here. Yeah, and there's a few. If you start with the offensive side, the big one is CeeDee Lamb. And now they're going to have to rely on other guys. And the one guy that really stands out to me is Charleston Rambo. I mean, this is a guy that he was in, he, he didn't have the spotlight that he deserved. I mean, he went from, he had over 700 receiving yards, it's still pro, which is still promising. They need, obviously they need more than that. Like we mentioned with Oklahoma state, but the one weapon for Spencer Rattler, which we'll get to in a bit here, that I think will stand out, and it's the first guy that I think of now that CeeDee Lamb is gone, is Charleston Rambo. Yeah, he's he he produced, um, but you're you're 100% right. CeeDee Lamb, you know, brought it all. He had all the recognition, but, I mean, Charleston Rambo was um, not as exciting, but a very exciting player, uh, 700, over 700 yards, um, pretty good Pretty good stat line there for just being a freshman and now coming into his sophomore season. So um, look for him to have a big season, like you were saying. And then the other thing that the other loss that is pretty huge, in my opinion, um, is going to be the running back Kennedy Brooks uh, deciding to opt out of the season. Yeah, that's huge. And Kennedy Brooks opted out and they also lost Trey Sermon to the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I mentioned this in the panel, and we all kind of chimed in on our, on our thoughts about it, is, Tr- is Trey Sermon would have been a guy that I think the Buckeyes would have unlocked. His true potential, he would have solidified himself as a top-five running back in that class. And now that you don't have Trey Sermon or Kennedy Brooks, you're going to have to rely on another young guy and... They also they have a senior who is to me he's almost highly unproven. He's right. he doesn't have any spotlight, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't. That, and you say that name, and like it doesn't even recollect with me um, at all, just because it's been unproven. So I mean, uh, losing Sermon to Ohio State didn't necessarily hurt them. Um, before the start and before uh, COVID and everything like that happened and players started opting out. But once Kennedy Brooks decided not to return, in my opinion, that's a big shot to them. Um, I mean, Kennedy Brooks was their leading rusher. um, And I think one of the leading rushers behind Cuba Purdy, or not Cuba Purdy, (laughs) Cuba Hubbard, excuse me, stuck on my quarterback here at Florida State. But um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Chuba, Chuba Hubbard um, behind him. So Kennedy Brooks was a special player, very, very well-rounded back, um, and was going to be a very explosive guy. Um, and, you know, they don't have any depth behind him now. So, or not even any depth now. They just don't, there's no proven running back back there for them to rely on. I mean, we've seen him in the past. Oklahoma usually has those guys. So, they're not going to be able to rely on that running game, and I don't know how that is going to affect um, their new quarterback coming in here after the departure of Kyler Murray um, and Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and I don't know if you looked up a little bit deeper into Spencer Rattler. He was, I don't know if this was a record, or he was the first, he surpassed 11,000 passing yards in high school at, at, in Arizona. 
Wow. Like that that is unreal. And I mean, I, I think I said this before we went on. His top three were Oklahoma, and I want to say his other two were LSU and Maryland. And if I were LSU, I would be all over quarterbacks right now. And I'm really anxious to see how Miles Brennan does because LSU had all these options and they had transfer portal options. They they even had Caleb Williams. Right. You had, I think you had mentioned this. Um, Caleb Williams. I'm sorry. Not yeah. Spencer Riley. Yeah. Caleb Williams had his top three and he chose Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley does a phenomenal job developing quarterbacks. Lincoln, he even had rumors of wanting to coach an NFL team, wanting to coach the Dallas Cowboys. And Spencer Rattler, and you mentioned this too, I know you're really, really excited to see Spencer Rattler finally. Yeah. Uh, uh, the whole reason I, I didn't necessarily look deep into him like you did with his stats or anything from high school, but there was a show on Netflix called QB1. I don't know if you had ever gotten the chance to watch that, but he was absolutely electric and he might talk a lot, <laughs> but you kind of want that out of your quarterback, right? I right. mean, as long as it's as long as it's in the right way and you can back it up. We don't. I mean, you don't necessarily want it from like a who's the guy at Miami that transferred from Ohio State? Um, Tate Martell. <laughs> yeah, you don't necessarily want a Tate Martell who you know he's going to talk the game or whatever and talk. He doesn't back it up, and, <laughs> right? And, yeah, and not back it up, but. Spencer always seems to have backed it up. And what I respect even more about Spencer than I do per se about Tate Martell is he redshirted last year. Yeah, and I think that's huge too is that shows a lot of maturity. And that's what I really liked about, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not a huge Jalen Hurts fan, especially in the NFL. But normally when you see guys get benched, for to get, I mean, I'll give one example when Callie Bryant got benched at Clemson and Trevor Lawrence immediately went in. Even Chase Bryce, I think that shows a lot of maturity on that on their end. Uh, it it does. And I mean, if you, uh, for Spencer, and like I was just talking about, like, yeah, he runs his mouth. Yeah, he talks the game. But when you show a maturity level to be able to redshirt yourself and you still are that type of quarterback. That goes such a long way in terms of your growth because not only do you know what you you have, what it takes to be able to you know be a great quarterback, but you are humble enough to be like, hey, I can learn from from these guys who are who are coming in. Like Jalen Hurts came in last year and how he redshirted behind him and all that good stuff. So, and then on top of that, you mentioned Lincoln Riley and his his you know, development of quarterbacks and everything like that. I mean, guy has produced two Heisman Trophy winners, um, another Heisman finalist in all three years that he's been there. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. What other example do you want or what other quarterback do you want to coach you? And if, you're, if your coach comes to you and says, hey, we're bringing in this guy, can you redshirt this season and we're going to see your growth and you're going to be able to see your growth yourself after you sat behind these guys who know the game already and you'll be able to be this quarterback one day. Right. And today's NFL quarterbacks, they look at the Lamar Jackson, the guys that can guys that are mobile guys that can be are effective both in the passing game and the rushing game. And Spencer Rattler does exactly that. Kyler Murray does that. Jalen hurts does that. 
Spencer Rattler had 14 touchdowns, 14 rushing touchdowns and over a thousand rushing yards in his high school career at Arizona. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty amazing. We haven't seen Rattler yet. So, I mean, his Heisman odds are like the fourth highest Heisman odds. <laughs> um, <Right>. So, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, Sam, Elling- Sam, Sam Ellinger, who has been at Texas for, God, it seems like it's been like five, six years now. But, like, even Sam Ellinger has worse odds than than Rattler. And Rattler has only played, what, 11 total snaps in his college career last year as a redshirt. I mean, so, like, to be able to have, you know, that recognition and, and hype coming in, I don't know how that's going to affect him. I don't think, personally, that it will affect him all that much just because, like we were saying earlier, he has shown the maturity to be able to take a step back, humble himself a little bit, and then when it's time for him to show what he's got, he's going to do it and he's going to tell you about it. Right, and he like to me, it seems like he's definitely a guy that puts his. I mean, you mentioned Tate Martell, a guy that had an ego and he couldn't back it up with his game. And I was scrolling through YouTube, watching like film the other day, and one of the top things that popped up in my feed was. The biggest college bust, and one of the biggest college busts is Tate Martell. But <laughs> Spencer Rattler is a guy that he puts his ego away, and he immediately backs it up on the football field. And yeah, you mentioned that we haven't seen him yet, in which, is, yeah, you're 100% correct. And we know what he's capable of, and the fact that, one right, you mentioned that as this as well, is the fact that he's already, he hasn't played a down like he's barely played a drive for the Sooners offense and he's already getting Heisman recognition. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible and the thing that I what's going to hurt him obviously is that running back room because of uh, the loss of the running back um who decided to opt out in Kennedy Brooks. Um but what's going to help him outside of that is like you said you mentioned Charleston Rambo earlier. Um, but this offensive line that Oklahoma has is absolutely like stacked full of studs. I'm I'm just gonna mention a couple to you, and um, and the first guy is offensive guard Marquise Hayes. He's gonna be a junior, real solid big guy up there. Uh, it's filling that guard spot, and then the big name um, that you'll probably like as well, since you're really high into the NFL draft boards and everything. Sam is their center, Creed Humphrey. Yeah, and I. Offensive lineman, to me, is one of my favorite positions to look over. And when I look at offensive linemen, I look at guys that can play all five sides of the ball. You look at Elton Jenkins with the Packers. Elton Jenkins, his expertise was center, and he played the guard. He went, they moved him to guard because the Packers already had Corey Lindsley. And, man, did he. He really make a name for himself. And Creed Humphrey is... If Creed Humphrey opts out, I think he's still a first-round pick. I love Creed Humphrey. He screams versatility. You can stick him on anywhere on that line. Yeah, dude. He he. You could put him anywhere, but, I mean, to, to put him at center, you have... I mean, it's a very important position. Don't get me wrong. I feel like offensive tackle is a little bit more important. However, Creed Humphrey is a you know, he's going to be a first-round talent. He, he, There's no doubt about it. Dude is just an athletic freak there on the line. Um, the fact that he decided to return after his junior season, or, excuse me, sophomore season and come back, his retro sophomore season come back, 
skip the NFL draft. Um, he's picked up second team All-American honors from four different publications. He's one of three finalists for the Remington Trophy last season. So, dude gets it, and he's just going to be even better this year. And <laughs> I guarantee you Spencer Rattler is going to be spending a lot of time with Kareem uh, Humphrey. <laughs> and for his size, too. And, like, you mentioned tackle – to me, I think the guard is one of the most important positions on that offensive line because without a guard, we don't have pulling plays. We don't have we don't have you barely have any holes to run through without a pulling guard. And if you look at Creed Humphrey, he's over three hundred pounds, and he has not only does he have tremendous upside, but he moves very well for his size. He's six five and he's three hundred seven pounds, and I think I mean his expertise to me is a guard. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's easy to slot him in there. I right. don't think he'll necessarily be a center once he moves on to the next level, like you're saying. Um, but uh, just let me just read you this. Um, he finished his redshirt sophomore season last season with 93 knockdowns and did not allow one, not a single sack in 799 snaps. Yeah, and that's unreal. I'm sorry, his main position is center, but... He is capable of playing anywhere in the interior. And you just mentioned that. Elton Jenkins posted that, not the, not the same numbers, but he went multiple snaps without allowing, a single, without allowing a single sack. And Creed Humphrey is going to be someone's franchise cornerstone on their offense. Yeah, and they're going to fall in love with him, and he's going to be that guy. I know we had mentioned some offensive um offensive lineman earlier not in this pod um, but an earlier podcast about hey they're going to be you know the cornerstone for a franchise or whatever like that but this guy exemplifies that as well and rattler this is going to be you know the the stronghold for rattler um to keep him upright i mean all i mean four out of your five offensive linemen last year for oklahoma were were all like start new starters like Brand new to the game, didn't have any starting experience, and they played pretty pretty well. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you return all five now, I, that just solidifies that offensive front. And I mean, take away the running back room, that offense is still going to be just as good, in my opinion, as it as it has been in the past. Right. And their defense, their biggest loss. I mean, actually, two biggest losses was Kenneth Murray, who we mentioned earlier, and Neville Gallimore. So those are some big shoes to fill right there. What did you say? I'm sorry. So their, their defense lost a lot as well. And right. And their big name was Kenneth Murray, who we mentioned earlier. The Chargers traded up for him in the first round. And the other one is Neville Gallimore. So those, those two names right there, those are huge shoes to fill. Right, so I mean, you got to plug in there. Uh, Ronnie Perkins going to have to step up as a senior, um, and then Jalen Redmond as well. So, um, pretty pretty big like shoes to fill in place. Um, and Turner Yell um, as well is going to be able to fill in there too. So that's going to be a safety, or he's going to be their safety. So he's going to really have to have a big step up in his season, even though he had a, a decent season last year. But Going back to the loss of Kenneth Murray, I mean, Jalen Redmond is going to have to be that guy to fill those shoes. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned Ronnie Perkins. He had promising stats, but there's really nobody on that front line that the way their stats show, it almost seems like that position is out there. And the 
in, in terms of it very well could be unpredictable of who we might see. And yeah, Ronnie Perkins, he's a guy that can play both interior and um, out, out in the defensive on the DN side. And that's huge. And Ronnie Perkins is definitely a name. And Kenneth Murray, Kenneth Murray is huge. That is a huge loss. And um, who did you mention? Deshaun White? Uh, I did not mention Deshaun White yet. Who did, who did you just mention that had uh, uh, safety gonna... Delarin Turner Yale? Yep, Delarin Turner Yale, and this is another team like TCU, like Oklahoma. Purdue. And yeah, we all know that Big Twelve, the Big Twelve, is not known for having good defenses, but there's always teams like TCU, like Oklahoma, that produce sneaky good prospects. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, they they produce. It's just I think it's just because of the stat stuffing. I mean, it's it's not that they're not good or anything. It's just that the offenses that are produced in the Big Twelve are on a whole another level. So like, you could be one of the top guys. Like if if some of these guys went to an SEC school or anything, they could be stars or just because of the type of offenses that are played there. You know. So, like, it's just a whole different level. Like, you get the stats here in the Big 12, but you don't get the recognition as being a top defensive player or a top defense, per se, just because each team is going to put up 40 points a night, you know? So, like, that's just how it is. And the big thing, uh, you you mentioned Ronnie Perkins, and Ronnie Perkins very well could be, you know, that star there on the defense, but he's slated to miss the first five games because of a suspension. So, like... It's just, like you were saying, it's just very open there on that defensive side of the ball. There's not really really anybody who's solidified um, back there on Oklahoma's defense, but hopefully they can kind of come together and and get some cohesiveness um, throughout the season and be able to, you know, at least slow down some Big 12 offenses. We didn't really have too much to go into here in the Big 12. It's just a lot of loss in the Big 12 after last year. There's a lot of star power that came out of the Big 12 uh, this past season into the NFL draft. So really hard to kind of pick and choose based off of, you know, what they have left. But, I mean, it's kind of just hint, like hinting and guessing around at who's going to be able to fill these shoes and everything like that. But just a couple of guys I'm just going to touch on. Um, two quarterbacks that are really big in the Big 12, and that's, um, Brock Purdy over there at Iowa State, and then Sam Ellinger over there in Texas. Yeah, and Brock Purdy is really made a name for himself. Brock Purdy very well could soar up the draft boards. I mean, we've, I've already seen mock drafts of him going as early as the second round. And, I mean, the, the one fit is the Chicago Bears, who even, I mean, there's tons of mocks having the Bears selecting a quarterback and what better quarterback as much as I hate to say this because I'm a Packer fan as much as I hate to say it what better one than Brock Purdy yeah I mean he would be a beautiful fit the the I mean the numbers speak for themselves for Brock Purdy I mean 3,900 just shy of 4,000 yards passing uh 27 touchdowns in the big 12 so you finished third I mean you've got guys in there like quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts last year and everybody like that so like if you finish third behind those guys you, you're playing at Iowa State like that's big for you uh you're still facing top-notch competition and the big thing for for Brock here is he's led last season he led three fourth quarter comebacks but he also suffered three losses by a combined four points so like that's really hard to do and it's mostly on him 
So that's like the one knock that everybody has on Brock Purdy is that he cannot cut down and he cannot finish the fourth quarter games that he needs to do. So, I mean, I mean, for instance, I mean, four of his last nine interceptions last season occurred in the fourth quarter. You can't do that as a quarterback, you know, like that you, if you're going to be one of those top notch guys and it's your team and you are, you know, trusted and by your teammates to be able to lead you down the field and to win the game, you can't be doing that. You can't be throwing four picks late in the fourth quarter when you're trying to go down there and beat a team. And I mean, that that's what happens. You, you suffer three losses by combined four points. That is ridiculous, man. Like that, that stat is absolutely nuts. Like you've had at least lose two of those games by one point, maybe. So it's pretty insane. If he can take that ne- next step, Purdy can definitely move up into, into those like higher draft board conversations. Oh yeah. 100%. And you, you, you know that right there, there's times in the fourth quarter, he'll make careless mistakes. Normally, throughout the game, three-fourths of the game, he has very impressive accuracy. But then you watch him in the fourth quarter, he'll just make careless mistakes. He's also a guy that he has, he has a, he's elite talent. He doesn't necessarily have a cannon of an arm, but that doesn't necessarily... I mean, Joe Burrow, didn't, Joe Burrow doesn't have a cannon of an arm, but look at his stats. But, I mean, he doesn't have a cannon of an arm, but, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's He has elite arm strength, but it's not... I wouldn't even say he has strong. He has a strong arm, but I wouldn't say he has elite arm strength. And yeah, I think his accuracy is impressive three fourths of the game. But he's a guy that needs to play well four quarters, and especially in the NFL, the fourth quarter is the most crucial part of the game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these NFL games, they're not your high scoring, you know, Big Twelve games or anything like that. Even though your Big Twelve games can come down to like you know the last drive of the game, but. More often than not in the NFL, your your scores are going to be, you know, 20s or like high 20s or lower. I mean, even we've seen games with in the NFL that are 9-3. Like, you don't even necessarily need to lead your team down the score, but you need to be able to put them in a position to be able to at least get a, get a decent, you know, field goal out of it and everything like that. So if you're throwing picks down there on the last drive and – you can't, you know, put your kicker in a good position to make a field goal to win the game, then that's on you ultimately. And that's something that he's going to have to work on. But uh, the talent's there, the work ethic's there. Um, His family, I know his family is extremely athletic. They're all athletic. They all push very hard to be successful in whatever sport they're in. So um, I expect Brock to, you know, take this, um, take that last season and, you know, those hard losses to heart and kind of move forward with them and take it as a learning experience. And the second quarterback you mentioned is Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger quickly made a name for himself at Texas. I believe he had, what did he have, 3,000 yards um, just a season ago. Mm-hmm. And see, this is similar to Justin Fields because this is a guy, I wouldn't even say Justin Fields, Jake Browning, if you remember from Washington a few years ago. Right. This is a guy that I saw that he's only good in college. He wasn't his game's not going to translate well into the NFL. And that's kind of how I see Sam Ellinger. I'm still trying to decide if I think Sam Ellinger. I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be a franchise quarterback. Do I think he'll be a reliable backup quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I think he's got talent. I think he's has all the talent talent in the world. 
to be a college quarter or to be an NFL quarterback, I mean, the one thing that really stands out to me is there are times like Brock Purdy, but Sam Ellinger more so um, is his accuracy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing with Sam Ellinger. He's kind of been in the shadows of, you know, the Oklahoma quarterbacks like this whole time. Nobody wants to talk about Sam because you got the Oklahoma guys. So the one thing with Sam is we haven't seen him be elite yet. You know, we've we've talked about he wins games, but like he doesn't win the big ones. Um he he is very he's a very good quarterback, okay? But I don't necessarily comp him to a Justin Fields like you do. I feel like he he does a much better job of fitting the ball into tight spaces. I mean, he threw like into tight windows in one of the top 25 highest rates last season. So um, very good when it comes to throwing those NFL throws, but we need to see him make the plays in the big games that are going to win Texas those games. You know, the same thing we say with Miami. Miami's back. Tennessee, Tennessee's back. Uh, same thing with Texas. Texas is back. We see them go 3-0 and early in the season and then slide off and they can't win the big game. So that's the next step for Sam is he's got to be able to win these big games and become one of those elite quarterbacks to, you know, kind of take over you know, and get himself out of the shadow out of all those Oklahoma quarterbacks that have kind of taken over his reign as being the top quarterback in the Big 12. And that's the thing, too, is like Sam Ellinger was a guy that I was a fan of early. And like you mentioned, he's in the shadow of other quarterbacks and other teams in the Big 12. I mean, Texas, Texas used to be the Texas used to be the team in the Big 12. And obviously now it's been Oklahoma for the past few years. And I should have said, I'm going to say Jake Browning. Jake Browning in okay. terms of how well his game will translate into the NFL. And I'm not sure how familiar with you are with this guy is Brew McCoy. And Brew McCoy, so he committed to USC when Cliff Kingsbury um, picked up the OC job. And then as soon as Cliff Kingsbury went to the Cardinals... He decommitted and went right back to Texas. Yeah, I'm not real familiar with him. So is he still at Texas? Yep, so he's still at Texas. And to me, it almost seems like they don't have Colin Johnson anymore. All eyes seem to be on Brew McCoy. Um, it, I know Bleach Report wrote an article. Is the, bleed, the mystery of Brew McCoy is what's really going on with him. I know... A big reason why he went to why he committed to USC in the first place is because he wanted to be coached under Cliff Kingsbury. He wanted to play in that Cliff Kingsbury offense, but obviously now Kingsbury is going into his second year with the Cardinals, and Drew McCoy might be one of Sam Ellinger's top weapons, and he's talented. And but obviously we don't know what he's capable of. But he was a five-star. He was one of the top recruits um, in his recruiting class. Well, I mean, that should definitely help him out. Um, I mean, if you are if you got a five-star guy, I mean, that definitely helps you out. And it's just all about, you know, development at this point and progression. Like, can you work together to be able to come together and move towards a common goal? And the thing that really does help, um, Sam Ellen, Ellinger, besides his passing, is that he is a pretty mobile guy, especially when it comes on um, designed runs and broken plays. I mean, he he scored seven times um, while running the ball, finished with 663 yards. 
and he actually led his team in, in carries last season with 163. So he's going to have to get some help from that running back room because you don't necessarily want your quarterback being your, your leading carry guy throughout the season. Right, and we talked about this as well before we went on air, is if I'm not mistaken, Texas was ranked in the top half of the top 25 rankings. They might have, I'm pretty sure they might have been in the top 10 because after the 2018 season, you remember Sam Ellinger, he goes where back, and they lose. They they started off really well the first two to three games, but then they lost some pretty crucial games. Yeah, I mean that's that's when it's like we we keep preaching about Sam is he's just got to become that elite guy. He's got to he's got to be able to you know win those big games. He's got to be able to not only push himself but push his team. You know, you you as a quarterback, you are the guy. You are who everybody else around you looks towards to be able to lead them in these big games. And if you can't do that, then that is not a very good look when it comes to you know moving on to the next level. Right, and I think he's. I wouldn't say under pressure, but I think this could be the. This is the year for me that I need to see if he is going to translate into the NFL. And I don't remember if I said mentioned this to you on our podcast or off air. Is so obviously we know the Rock bought the XFL, and my friend and I were talking about if obviously Cardale Jones and PJ Walker were the only good quarterbacks that ended up playing in the XFL and obviously the XFL had tremendous ratings but my friend and I were thinking of all these quarterbacks we were saying if the XFL had better quarterbacks better named quarterbacks so many more people would watch it and one of the names that really came to mind I this is the third time saying this now is is Jake Browning there's so many college quarterbacks that really that were studs and I think they would do really well in, in um in the XFL. And obviously, I've always been on the corner of there's not going to be a college football season. And I'm still standing on that corner, unfortunately. And Andrew Williams is with me as well. And we very well could see a fall fall football with the Power 3 and spring. Who knows? Like It's going to be all over the place. I know Nick Saban even mentioned... Um, Nick Saban was worried about all these opt-outs because especially if guys want want to play in the spring is we could have, like he was saying, it could be like JV football. To me, if all these guys opt out, rightfully so, if and then all of a sudden you have, I mean, Alabama, what, Dylan Moses went down. They've got another four or five-star recruits that can take his place. Alabama is always in the top five for recruiting every year but it would be interesting because if all these guys opt out come spring especially guys who aren't draft eligible i'm excited i would be excited to see as a fan which guy steps up and we already mentioned that with tcu and oklahoma state's defenses that's wide open in certain positions yeah and that's a very intriguing fact too because something i have been recently thinking about is that with the way that Roger Goodell and whoever else is involved in the top brass of the NFL and how they are handling this whole situation, do you not start seeing players move towards a more player-friendly league, much like the XFL? And that's the thing, is I wonder if The Rock starts taking advantage of this situation, because it would be a smart move. Right. And 
because you look at, I think the way people look at the XFL right now is sort of like a G League, a developmental league. I mean, look at PJ Walker was on the Colts before he went to the XFL, made a name for himself, and now he's the backup quarterback to Teddy Bridgewater. And even Cardell Jones. I, Cardell Jones, I think, has a chance at finding another NFL team. And mm-hmm. the even NFL, guys like Quentin Flowers, like they're they're getting like right, workouts and right. stuff, even so. Right, and Quentin Flowers. I mean, you're probably well familiar with him too. Quentin Flowers was an absolute stud in Miami as well. And like, to me, as I mentioned, like I don't know if we we could see college football. I was on the corner of I think we'll play NFL without fans. Um, I don't think I don't see us playing all seven all sixteen games. But at the same time, the NFL has really made no indication that there's not going to be a season. I mean, college football, they postponed their season until the end of September. So really, they have almost a, they have about a month to actually make the official decision. Because to me, we already talked about this last week. The Big 12 was on the fence. They were split on the decision. Mm-hmm. They wanted to play, but at the same time, they were aware of what the circumstances are they were they were aware of what could happen and now you're already seeing college basketball thinking sorry. about trying out the bubble right <laughs> sorry it was on espn and you know one of those <laughs> ad things popped up <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it's 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 a very weird situation we're in now um there's so many different thoughts that run through our minds and like like you're saying, like there's so much talent out there that these guys could start if there's no season. Like, what's gonna happen? You know, are we gonna start seeing guys move to the XFL because the Rock is gonna make it a, a player friendly league instead of a, you know, business first type deal when it comes to the NFL? Are we gonna start seeing NFL guys be like, hey, like, I might not make as much money, but this is gonna be better off for my career if I go over to the XFL. So I mean, it's just. It's very. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic moving forward. Um, I agree with you. Um, we might not see all 16 games played in the NFL. Um, I still think we're going to have a college football season just because uh, the NC, not necessarily the NCAA, but the universities as a whole, uh, pretty much have to. Some of them, some of their athletic programs will fall. Um, I'm not talking about you know like the Wisconsin's your team or. Oh, Wisconsin States. was one of them. Wisconsin was they could lose like a million millions of dollars. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying we're not going to lose money. I'm just saying like your whole athletic program full. Right. No, you know? exactly. Right. When Wisconsin was one, another big one was Arizona. I mean, there's a few big name colleges that would really suffer if they officially canceled the season. And I think that's also a big reason why the Big 10 decided to postpone and not cancel the season altogether, right? I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but then again, you you take into a whole another account of factors that we don't have to get into about you know what's what's the right move, what's not the right move. So like, we don't even have to get into that. But like, it's just going to be a very interesting, I would say, next year, um, and then after that. I mean, this next year is going to be the most intriguing aspect of that. But like, what happens down the road after all this is finished? You know, so. Just gonna be real, real interesting to see how this whole situation changes not only um, college football but also um, professional football as well moving forward. Yeah, it it's gonna be interesting. Uh, we're in very unfortunate times right now, 
And hopefully we see the light. Hopefully it gets, it gets better sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Sam. Um, it was a pleasure, man. Uh, always a pleasure coming on with you and uh, spitting some stuff about college football. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up for kind of our, our preview on on uh, the conferences and the standouts within those conferences and everything. Um, just because we're not going to be able to make it to the Pac-12, we were able to get to the Big Ten before they uh, postponed their season. But we were going to do Pac-12. Um, that is no longer happening as they have postponed as well. So we're kind of going to move ahead with the times as well and uh, keep grinding away and coming up with different things that we can do and come up with with you guys. So um, keep out on the lookout for different things coming up. We're we're getting excited about some new things as well. I think we're trying to I'm trying to work on something with Perry here in the future about bringing us live and everything like that. I know we're working on getting YouTube um, set up as well. So. You guys stay um, stay on top of that. Follow us at Sat at Sat Standouts USN on Twitter. Um, you can follow Sam Daring at his Twitter, which is um, Sam underscore Daring sixty eight. <laughs> Sam <laughs> underscore Daring, um, and then you can follow me as well at CHS Noel on Twitter. Again, shout out to our uh, main sponsor RX Hemp. Go head over there, get you some some herbal cream that takes care of your joint pain and your muscle pain. Um, use the code RXHEMP, that's USN, to get 10% off your order. Um, love, love chatting it up with you, Sam, and uh, looking forward to our, our episode next week.